Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Millennial Catholic. I'm your host, Andrew Miller, along with Father Scott. It's good to be here with you today. On this day of days. Yes. So, I have a question for you, mm-hmm. as I usually do. Shout out to Karen time. Taliano, whose birthday it is today, April 28th. She is very, very old now. Go on. <laughs> Yet most of her youth group um, outsizes her. That's true. Yes. That's true. Um Yes, I have a question that I normally do on these things that we call a podcast. I'm on the Tiki Talks. Oh, I love the Tiki Talks. You do love the Tiki Talks. Uh, somehow I found my way over to Farm TikTok. I think it's because I'm from Iowa, and TikTok just thinks everybody from Iowa is from a farm. Oh, that's fair. Sure, whatever. It got me thinking, right? Because mostly the people I follow are apparently dairy farmers, so okay. they have the cows. You're a strange person. Go on. Yes, I shall continue. <laughs> In the Bible... It says that we have dominion over the birds in the sky and the animals on the land mm-hmm. and all the giant sea creatures. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? It means we're the top of the pyramid, man. Okay, hippie. Yeah, it means we're, we're large and in charge. It, it does mean that we are stewards of all creation. It means uh, we have been given authority over this world. Um, so, like, when you'll see those movies from the 90s with, like, um, Keanu Reeves, where he, like, comes back to the, to, to the earth or something to rescue, like, the environment or whatever. And, like, one of the, the, the president lady of the United States in this movie from the 90s goes, well, uh, what, what does this mean for our planet? Your planet. Your planet. And, uh, like, all the other creatures have just an equal say in the earth. They don't, right? Because there's a... Right. We believe in a hierarchy of being, right? So it's okay for us to eat other living creatures to sustain ourselves because um, we're at the top of the food chain. Now, you know, your, your hippie uh, Earth Day folks are going to say, well, you know, that seems that seems so wrong. We're just other creatures like other creatures. And the, the truth is we should seek to have a good harmony with the creation around us. But that harmony isn't achieved by treating all creatures as equal, right? Like we are worth more than a koala bear, right? By the nature of our being an insult, by being made in the image and likeness of God. Koala bears, although cute, are not made in the image and likeness of God. What I think people find hard to believe in our world today is that human beings are made in the image and likeness of God, even if they can act in a, in a reprehensible way. So, so we have a duty to seek right relationship with creation. The people who do this best are the monks. They, they, are, they are recreating that Garden of Eden, uh, or trying to, in their monasteries, through How, their lives of prayer and rhythm with God. I mean, they make beer. They do more than make beer. I, uh, I it's, enjoy it's, their beer. It's, 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 the, it's the life of prayer. It's, it, here, this is a big problem we have in our modern society, is... We don't know how to get into the rhythm of creation. And, and we've lost, we don't see that as a, a necessary anymore uh, for human flourishing and happiness. And so the monks, uh, there's a time to reap, there's a time to plant, there's a time to sow. Um, and your average modern human today is, is completely divorced from the natural rhythms of creation. And, and the more we can try to align ourselves with um, the more human we become, and actually the better we become. Um, 
so many people are trying to, through technology now, transcend nature as opposed to seek harmony with it. Um, this is a big problem. And uh, it's led to the whole transhumanism movement. And, um, and so our goal as Catholic Christians in particular is to try to achieve harmony with creation. A perfect example of this guy was a guy who I knew at Sacred Heart when I used to be there. And his name was Steve McKinley. And if listeners know who I'm talking about, they know exactly what I'm talking about, where he turned his, his backyard in Bowie into a farm. And uh, he wouldn't use a microwave. He wouldn't use paper towels. It was just, it was just like super, people would say it's hippie, but it was, um, but no, it was actually very Catholic. It was this, this desire to, to live the good life, which was a life not addicted to technology, but a life that was, um, was a life of peace uh, connected to creation. And, and that's something, we're getting a little closer to that, something that was good about the pandemic is people got used to not commuting, you know what I mean, some people. And there was a joy to, to having their work life and their home life more integrated, as opposed to separated by travel every day. Um, and, and I think there's a, as a priest, I, I, I experienced that because I just walked to work. You know what I mean, but um, yeah, you live right across the street. I live it's right a little easier, than... yeah, but but wouldn't it be great if if we all lived right across the street to a certain degree, so we wouldn't waste so much time stuck in a car, you know, going from point A to point B. And um, there there was a there's an author I like, not Walker Percy. What's his name? Uh, Wendell Berry, I think it is, where he said the, the the one problem, the major problem of all modern society is we do not live where we work. And um, I like that. And there's something true to that because we, have, we, we, we do things at work. We act in ways at work that we wouldn't act at home, right? Um, we wouldn't have a human resources attitude with our children, right? You know, we wouldn't have this kind of stoicism that we have necessarily in such a corporate environment. Yeah, we, 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 have, we, have, we have strange institutions that are kind of developed based off of legal realities, which have not been good, I would argue, for, for human flourishing as humans. But, I mean, wouldn't farmers also be in this balance yes, with God? they would be, very much so. They are much closer to that. I remember I anointed somebody at a farm recently, and I was driving through, this, through this, uh, these woods getting to this farm, and I thought, this is the, the, the peace that I experienced just being on that land. It was remarkable. I have, I have a, a monk friend. Um, I haven't talked to him in years, but uh, he's up with the Regina, Regina Laudis um, Monastery up in Bethlehem, Connecticut. And they have that kind of rhythm, uh, which, is, which is just awesome. And it's, um, I, I think that should be a goal that each and every one of us should have as humans. How can I live my life in better harmony with creation? I'm not just talking about recycling. I'm talking about uh, what can feel more natural. I'll give you a good example. Do, do we listen to the birds in the backyard? Are we familiar with the sound that the wind makes against the house? You know, um, uh, do, we, do we know how the light comes through the window at different seasons? You know, just is there an awareness of the creation around us? Or are we just kind of numb to it because we're constantly focusing on our Millennial Catholic podcast, <laughs> which it should be every <laughs> second of your life. Uh, but um, 
but yeah, we, we were very technologically uh, oriented. And, um, and I think that's, there, um, there needs to be a chance to just enjoy um, cont- contemplative activities. It, it's something we don't do much anymore. Um, and it has to be fostered. It has to be preserved. So the other thing is, if we're supposed to be dominions over the animals, mm-hmm. and we help them live longer, yes, isn't that a good thing? Yes. Okay, and if we, you know, if we help them live longer and we give them places to, you know, rest and have food, and is it not okay for us to take what they, what God has put in front of us to, you know, eat and drink? Or is it kind of one of those leave it up to yourself type of questions? Well, we're so dissociated from interactions with livestock. I would say, do we treat, one question would be, do we treat the livestock humanely with respect as created beings in and of themselves? Or do we see them as industrial products for consumption? I always feel bad when I look at CNBC and they're like, pork bellies, the pork bellies are up, futures in pork bellies. And I'm like, that's so wrong. Um, you know, to the little piggies, you know, that, uh, no, I like sausage. But the point is, <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the whole idea of seeing things through a industrial lens, uh, seeing creation through an industrial lens, which is really problematic. That's not being a good steward, right? We're supposed to look at creation through a, um, through a loving lens. Uh, this may mean there'd be a time to sacrifice the lamb, right? For Passover, whatever right. the case may be. But it um, doesn't mean you go around sacrificing tons of lambs. That would not be good stewardship of creation. Yeah, one of the one of the problems with our current modern society is a lot of people look at humans as the problem, uh, humanity in and of itself. And it's not humanity in and of itself which causes environmental degradation. It's sinful humanity that causes environmental degradation. So there needs to be human beings need to seek to have that right relationship with creation. Um, both with each other, with the land, with the livestock. And, um, you know, this is why some monks will refrain from eating meat, you know. So um, I've been thinking about this because I'm trying to go into a new diet. And um, and thinking about what were Adam and Eve permitted to eat uh, in the Garden of Eden? They were, they were permitted to eat from the fruit of the trees, right? Right. Not, not vegetables, uh, interestingly, not um, other animals, but the the abundance that the trees produce will give you nourishment. You know what I mean? Which I think is which is kind of a neat thought. It's like Adam and Eve didn't have to kill any living beings in order to survive in the Garden of Eden because they ate from the fruit of the trees. Correct. And then after they ate right. the, the tree of from the tree of knowledge, God struck down an animal. Correct. To give them skins. Skins. Correct. So they could cover themselves. So even. So there's there's sacrifice embedded in the very beginning. Yes. Like there's animal sacrifice at the very beginning. An animal had to be sacrificed to cover up the shame of Adam and Eve. So he says, see, I give you every seed bearing plant on the earth and every tree that has seed bearing fruit on it to be your food. Right, right. Because you're eating their seeds. 
right? Because the yeah. seeds are contained in the apples and the oranges, uh, the zucchinis. Uh, there's seeds in zucchinis, aren't there? Yeah. Okay. No, just cucumbers. Cucumbers. Which then can turn into pickles. It's true. Right. So if we 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 take this idea of of sacrificing this one creature, so that way. Adam and Eve are no longer naked and they're not cold. Right. Is there is there a humane way to take out animals? Like I hate to put it that I, way, I, but I, totally like yes, totally. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Native American tribes and the way they would hunt buffalo. Right, they're not shooting them from the train as they're going by. They're killing what they need to eat and survive. Right. And they're right. Not, so there's there's a respect they have for the life they've taken. Um, uh, but like I look at cows, right? Cows are just the mm-hmm. dairy TikTok. Hold sure, on. Sure. We know people will say that we use them for 13 years to get milk out of them. And then, and then, you know, we kill them to get their meat. Right. But most of those, you know, farmers are using all parts of that animal. That's good. Because there are cow parts in your cell phone. Really? Like the glues and anything else that you could, like some of the other, you know, components are made from cow parts. Your leather. Sure. You know, any of your, like, stocks, they come from the bones of the, of, you know, the cow. So if I am a farmer and I have utilized this cow, given it a good life, because abused cows don't give milk. And I've let it live longer in, you know, in my farm than I have, than it would have survived out in the wild. Compare four years to 10 years. Are we not doing what God asked us to do then? Yeah, I totally, I would totally agree. So I just don't, I guess I don't understand the hate that farmers get. What do farmers get hate? I don't know. Who's who's hating farmers? Everybody. Vegans mostly. Yeah, but they don't count. (laughs) <laughs> that, that, that that but yeah i mean how many of how many vegans are there in reality that's well, a good question i have no idea i, I don't think i think that they're loud but I, I don't think it's um uh yeah there's uh, the vegan mentality is not the mentality of at least what i would say was the mentality of god in the situation right it's but you could then you get the argument of what did adam and eve get to eat in the garden of eden i know it's quite good i like that would be the fruit of the trees and the uh, right. So um, shouldn't isn't that what we should be eating? Or because God created a sacrifice in order for Adam and Eve to survive, we continue to do that. Like that's the big. Well, we would say we, this is why you need a magisterium. You need a church to say it's okay to eat stuff. Right? You look at the Jews; they weren't allowed to eat pork. Right? Correct. But Christians are. So, um, yeah. The, the deeper the deeper question, uh, which is which is not being discussed, is how the, the question needs to be: How do human beings achieve a right relationship with the creation around them? How do they achieve harmony with the creation around them? That's really the goal. Um, you know, I, there's some environmentalists who will say we have to get rid of humanity, or like they said in the Matrix to Neo, Agent Smith, where he says humanity is like a virus. Right uh, on the planet, and that's not that's not a that's not good. Um, so, uh, but humanity needs to be in communion with God 
in order for humanity to guide creation well. When humanity's not in communion with God, uh, the relationship with creation suffers, and um, we have we have we get a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, a lot of problems. Yeah, and, and and the environmental stuff I think is is a is a consequence. But I, I do think the pandemic has has changed a lot of the way we feel about the necessity of, of travel. Also, you know, if you were to ask the average person today, maybe I could ask you this. Mm-hmm. What do you think the average American would say is the purpose to human life? Just to live and do good. God, how do they how do they determine what good is? Whatever their moral compass points to. Okay. I'm not sure they know then. I, I, I don't, I don't, you know. Yeah. You're asking, you're not, you're literally not asking an average Joe anymore. I know, you know, I know that's, that's why we have to, we have to, we have to find average Joes. Um, I don't think they think about that question, to be honest, um, that much. Like, what is the purpose to my existence? Um, they want to have a good job. They want to be happy, right? But Provide for whatever family they have. Correct. But I, I but I don't think... These larger questions, um, they, they don't take the time to entertain them. Um, I don't think so. I, yeah. Too much time on the TikTok videos, perhaps. So there's a, there is a desire to laugh, I think. Well, um, isn't, that, isn't that joy in being happy, though? A desire to laugh? It, it is, but um, the, 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 the quest for purpose seems to be somewhat muted. Um, back in my day, everybody wanted to make an impact. Um, but there wasn't a sense that you wanted to, um, that your impact was tied to your relationship with God. And we all wanted to make an impact, but we hoped that the impact would give us a sense of identity and purpose by itself. And then your parents could brag about it at Christmas parties, right? So then, well, my son... Is, is teaching inner city children in New York City or something like that. Well, isn't that right. just lovely? Right? And so there's the there's the there's this desire to to make this impact, which is probably part of the reason why we have a dearth of uh, tradespeople like carpenters and plumbers and folks who could, who could make serious bank. I think about this. If I if I if I could have done it all over again and the church didn't exist, I'd, I'd become a plumber. That'd be awesome. You know, just working with your hands, just fixing pipes. You know, um, there's something there's something very soothing about that. And um, except when you're dealing with clients who yell at you, but so so the the point is, we're not we gotta we gotta the whole the whole God thing is is no longer in people's mentalities, right? And that and that just leads them to um, try to seek impact. It's it's more showing off uh, as opposed to, oh, this gives me a deep sense of profound purpose in my life uh, now that I've got this union with God. It's, it's something we, I'm wondering if it's even something that can be popularized or if it's, if it's unique to religious life and the priesthood. I'm not sure. I mean, in order to get it popularized, you'd have to be able to, you have, I'm going to say this. I don't know how I mean this. You need to make the church more palatable, palatable to people. Because mm-hmm. right now it's not. 
What, was, what, 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 what would that look like? I don't know. Okay. Right. And I think, well, uh, maybe the podcast does it for some people, you know, kind of brings it down to earth in a way that makes sense mm-hmm. that you can talk about without having to feel like you need to be in the know. Because mm-hmm. we do a lot of these things in the church of like, you know, papal encyclicals. What does that mean? Yeah, or, yeah, you yeah. know, the magisterium. What is that? You know, we use yeah. these big words that when you're talking to somebody, you don't need to use the big word, you know, the big yeah. words to make yourself feel more superior because that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help bring anybody sure. in. And I think the idea of making the church more palatable is explaining to thing people explaining things to people on a level that they are at. Sure. And not the level that you want them to be at. Sure. If that makes sense. No, we, we just have to become saints uh, in order for this to work. Well, good luck to both of us. Yeah, exactly right. But but I do I do think this is interesting. When I was watching, I love this show, The Chosen, where they're depicting Jesus and what he's doing. And when, when you, you take a step back from Jesus's early life, he's calling like 12 people. You know what I mean? This yeah. is not a big operation. And um, But if you also notice in, what was it, episode two or three, mm-hmm. when, um, when, when Peter's trying to catch all the fish to pay his taxes, right, right. he speaks to people plainly. Correct. And then he's like, I got one more thing. Mm-hmm. And he says this parable about, you know, the fish mm-hmm. and... And, you know, a good fisherman knows mm-hmm. when to go out and fish and mm-hmm. what catches the good, the good catch and mm-hmm. puts the other catch back. And he turns to Peter and says, you understood that. Mm-hmm. As though he was only talking to Peter and nobody else in that mm-hmm. audience. And I think we all want to be Jesus in that moment of being able to say the, the parable. Mm-hmm. Right. Where people, oh, that's really profound. Mm-hmm. But before he ever said that parable. He led people down a path that was easy for them to understand. Mm-hmm. And then he said the parable to get the people who are more in depth and understanding to follow him deeper. Mm-hmm. If we go straight from. If we go straight to the parable, people are going to be turned off. Mm-hmm. We need to start. Not at the parable. We need to start at the at the road and then lead them to the gate. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. I can see how a priest can do this. Um, in fact, when I was watching Jesus, I was like, he reminds me of a good pastor. You know? Right. Just, just, just. It was, it was kind of interesting to me because I'm like, I, I can recognize that this is Jesus because I know priests who are like him. So it's like, it's kind of, it was very interesting to me. Like it, his depiction of Jesus reminds me so much of um, good pastors in my life. And I, I think of, um, oh my goodness, I think of, uh, what was I going to say? I forget. But it, that, oh, there, there was a round table I was watching on YouTube of the different actors in the show, The Chosen. And that's what other people said as well. This Greek Orthodox guy said, this reminded me, this portrayal of Jesus reminded me of this old Orthodox priest I used to know. And it just it just made me think this show, The Chosen, is, I mean, I really see Jesus as a priest in this 
show and a pastor in the show. And uh, that's very, it's very cool for me. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, I just think that's very interesting. And then, and then what's the, and all you got to do is follow Jesus. And then everything else is just, it's just fine. I think probably the most thing, the hard, the hardest thing is to see how incongruent we clergy are from Jesus, you know, and we know, we know some priests who we feel are, are we, like I think of uh, immediately Father Ron Potts, and I think, wow, that guy, that guy is, is like Jesus, you know, and, um, uh, and then there are other pastors who are like Jesus as well, but different emphases, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then also, as I've come to know the priest better, I also, you say, okay, but you're not perfect, you know what I mean? And that, but that's okay. You know what I mean? There's like a sense like, yeah, you're yeah, human, yeah. like a Peter or like a yeah. Andrew or a Thomas or something. But but um, in, in some ways, I'm, I'm willing to follow them. You know, when I was when I was coming, I was willing to follow Father King. You know, I'm willing to listen to him. He's he's going to a beat of a different drummer, um, and uh, or Father Fields. Those guys come to mind immediately. Those good Jesuits. Um, Father Hence, Father Polaris. Um, so, yeah, that, it's it's just interesting to me how that how that kind of plays out. I think I think uh, we we I think think of Christianity as a as like assenting to a podcast that we listen to. You know, like, oh, well, I follow this podcast. You know, it's got to go much deeper than that. It has to be. I love this person, uh, Jesus, and I follow him, and I love my fellow Catholics, uh, and I commune with them, which is groovy. What were you going to say, Andrew? You had a thought. Um, so I think that's. I, I think I think the key to all of this is is something we don't talk enough about in the church, which is love. Like love really matters for this religion to work, and um, we try to be smart, we try to be clever, we try to come up with cool plans, but do we try to love more? And is is that our goal, or is it to get people in the pews? And I think if the goal is to get people in the pews, that, that's not our goal. Our goal is to love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength and our neighbor as ourself.